Now, look there again in James in chapter 3, and notice what it says there in verse 3. In verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Their whole body. Well, he says, if a mature man, a child of God, will learn to discipline himself and to learn the Word of God and discipline his mind, uh, then you don't have to be a double-minded man. That's why he says in the book of Matthew in chapter 6, that lay up treasure in heaven where thieves cannot break through nor steal. And then he says, but lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth because you can lose it. But lay up treasure in heaven because you can't lose that. And then he makes this statement, for where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. But I'd also like to say that where a man's heart is, there will be his treasure also. So if a man has his heart set upon the things of God, and he wants to please the Lord, that's a wise thing to do. But he says, a man cannot serve two masters. It means God in heaven or money on earth. God in heaven or man on earth. You can't please both. You're either going to seek to try to please God, or you're going to try to seek to please man. It's a, be a lot easier to please God, and a lot more profitable. Because what you lay up in heaven, you'll have forever, and you don't have to worry about the stock markets. You don't have to worry about whether, you know, you got a job, you lose your health. You can lose everything down here. But you can't lose what you've laid up in heaven. And this is what God's talking about, why it's so important. And then he makes this statement here in verse 4. Behold, also the ships, in verse 4, which though they be so great, are driven by fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. In other words, it can be guided by something so small. You ever get in a boat and they got a motor back there, and that little propellers, some of them are no bigger than your hand. And you sit back there and just put along in that big old boat and all that weight in there and you're going fishing and you just, it's totally under control. This big, big old boat just by that little mo now, always remember when it comes to serving the Lord he said if a man wants to win the prize, he must play by the rules and there's things that God says not to do. So sometimes we listen and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we want to stretch things. But God is watching and recording everything in the believer's life. I want those rewards when I get to heaven. And I realize I, I can't cheat to get them. i got to do right. And God says that if, if I love Him as my main motive, and I do what I do because I love the Lord because of what He's done for me, then it'll help me in every area of my life. So I've got to learn how to think. Because that will help me to bridle my tongue so that I don't say something that I shouldn't say. And that's the most difficult thing. It's not the easiest thing in the world to always be in control of your mind. Have you ever seen somebody lose their mind, lose their control? Well, I've had people tell me, I'll give you a piece of my mind. Don't give people a piece of your mind. Not when you're in desperate need of it. You need it. But now look what he says here. In verse 5, Even so the tongue is a little member, boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. 
In other words, this little fire, you can strike a match and burn down a forest. But anytime you want to start a fire, a controlled fire, it takes the whole pack of matches to get it going. <laughs> One little match can light a forest fire. And the Bible is telling you that this little tongue of ours can do the same thing. You can kill somebody's love for you that quick with a sharp tongue. And you'd be surprised that as you look back over the years and you go all the way back and when you were a kid, and especially if you had brothers and sisters, you say things and you do things and then you think, can you ever forgive them? Will they ever forgive you? Because you say you can say and hurt one another and it can last for years. But the Bible talks about a thing called forgiveness. We forgive one another. And we forgive somebody. Why? Because God hath forgiven us. Think of how bad we are and how much we have sinned against God. And yet He forgave us of all of our sins. So if He can do that for us, why should we have so much problem forgiving one another? Because here's the key. People say things and they hurt. It digs deep. And if you don't get rid of that hurt, it turns into bitterness. And the bitterness can destroy you. And it eats inside of you like cancer. And you know how people hate cancer today. We want to get it out, get it out, get it out. Cut, 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 get it out. Radiation treatments, you name it. They want to get rid of the cancer because they know if they don't, it'll kill them. And a lot of people have died the same way from the bitterness that they have in their heart. So always remember. And look in verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and set on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. This little tongue? Remember this. If a man has these two births. I got this one 72 years ago. I was born into this world. Came with an old sinful nature. Then I trusted Christ as my Savior about 53 years ago, and I got me a new birth. This one is born of God. This one is born of flesh, my mommy and daddy. So God didn't do away with this one just because He gave me this one. But if I walk in the flesh after the desires of the flesh and live like a lost man, well then... I'm going to have a problem. I'm going to wind up saying the things that the flesh wants me to say. This old sinful nature. And then I am capable of every sin in the book. So I can wind up being bitter and filled with hate and envy and jealousy. You name the sin. And every Christian is capable of thinking the most nastiest things, grossest things. And even though you may never commit adultery, you might in your mind. You'd be surprised. The passions of the flesh, it can totally control you. That's the flesh. But when you trust Christ as your Savior, He gave you a new birth. In the new birth, God wants to develop a new mind. So He says in the book of Romans in chapter 12, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
So God wants me to develop a new way of thinking. And so that means I've got to study the Word of God and get the wisdom of God so that I can think differently. If I think differently, then I can talk differently. I can act differently. So I've got these two words. And God says, now, you've only got one tongue, but I've got two natures. This one can't do anything good. This one can't do anything bad. Two extremes living on the inside of me. Is there a battle? All the time. Battle. Back and forth. Fighting for the use of this little instrument that I've got called a body. And so that's why the Bible talks about the, your instruments of righteousness in the book of Romans in chapter 6. So he goes down here and he talks about the tongue shouldn't say good and then cursing. It should be make up your mind. That shows a double-minded man. So he says here in verse 7, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Did you know that there's poison under the tongue of a, a man in the flesh? Because a man in the flesh, he can cut and destroy. He can set on fire. And he can say just a few words and make people feel with hate and bitterness and anger and wrath. All the things they're not supposed to do. Look at this first. I want you to see this. Look there in first chapter. And look what he says here in verse 19. Verse 19. Verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. That means if you're swift to hear, somebody is speaking. And the next part, slow to speak, somebody is saying something. And as he says, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So that's why you're not to let the flesh control your life. You're supposed to let the Word of God control your life. And if you let the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, control your life, you're going to get a different result. Now, go back to this look at it again. You'll notice there in verse 9. Now, get this. Where, therefore, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. So here we are, look up here. I've got my new birth, and I've got my old one. The old man, the new man. I praise the Lord and bless the Lord and curse my brother. Hmm. That's not nice. And the person you curse, God says, was made in the similitude of God Himself. Made in His likeness. He is made in the image of God. And you're cursing something that God created. Do you think that it's the will of God for us to go around cursing one another? And for some people, they are asking God, God, to damn this person to hell. Is that wise or unwise? That's not right. But do people do it? Can a Christian use profanity? Yes. A Christian can say as many nasty things as anybody else. Why? Because he still has an old sinful nature. God didn't save this, gave him a new birth. 
This is the new one. This one doesn't sin. It's born of God. It doesn't have a sinful nature. That's why if it can't sin, it can't die. If it can't die, it will live for all eternity. So whenever this old body dies and it's buried underground, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I'm going to heaven one day. So he makes this statement here. In verse 10, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. Now, if cursing comes out of my mouth, and blessings come out of my mouth, would you say I must be a double-minded man? Yes. So God says one of them, and it should be the new birth, has got to be strong in order to bridle the flesh. And if you don't bridle it, you can't control the flesh. You've got to get strong enough to be what God wants you to be. Look what else he says. When he makes this statement, my brethren, in the last part of verse 10, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. In verse 11, doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? In other words, you turn on your water. Is it bitter? Is it sweet? I mean, you only got one. Now, today we've got it fixed up where we can turn it on and we can turn on hot water and cold water and mix them together. Isn't that wonderful? They didn't have that back then. Well, we got it now. And he makes this statement in verse 11. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? No. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? No. Either a vine bring forth figs. And so no fountain both yield salt water and fresh water. So here you are and you're a Christian. And God wants you to learn how to walk by faith. That's what James chapter 2 is about. It's people looking at you and your testimony and you're not saying or doing the things that you ought to do. And you wonder why people might call you a hypocrite. Maybe you are. If you say one thing and you do another, or you're really sweet and nice, and I've seen people, oh, they're just so lovey-dovey, everything is just so wonderful, the honeydew just drops all over them. And as soon as they get home or out of church, man, they're just chewing out one another and blessing one another. You know, like a tiger and a vampire trying to kill each other, you know. But you don't have to touch. Oh, you just do it with words, just with words. And God says, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now look in verse 13. Then you get to the subject of the wisdom of God. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? You say, I am. Show it. If you're a wise man, prove it. How do you prove you're a wise man? Making wise decisions. I used to do marriage counseling. I try not to do it anymore. I used to tell them, look, if you'll make three right decisions in a row, your wife will think you are brilliant. But if you make three dumb decisions in a row, she'll think you are a nut, a fool. He said, you know how hard that is. <laughs> he said, I can do one or two, but three? Man, that's pushing it. So anyway, uh, sometimes you, you, know, you can't win. I told this one man, I says, there are no such thing as the perfect woman. And you couldn't have her if there was one because you're not a perfect man. There is nobody perfect except God. We're all sinful, but the biggest part that people have to learn is learning how to adjust with people, to work, to forgive, 
I'm sorry. I love you. And all those nice, sweet little things like that. I'm going to learn them one of these days. Believe it. Look in verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with power among you? Let him show out of a good conversation or manner of life his works with meekness of wisdom. Show by your works. Now remember, now we're not talking here about salvation. Going to heaven, that's free. You don't have to show anything. You don't have to do one good work. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to give any money. You don't have to change your life. You don't have to turn from your sins. You don't have to commit your life to Christ. You don't have to do nothing. All you have to do is just, Lord, I believe you died on that cross and paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust you to take me to heaven. And God is bound by his word. He has to save everybody that trusts him. He can't say no. He can't refuse you. It's impossible. He can't do it. He can't go against his word. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Means he can't go to hell. But have everlasting life means he gets to go to heaven. I mean, that's all you get. That's all. It's all he requires to go to heaven. You believe that he did that for you. Now, after you trust Christ as Savior, you know you're going to heaven. Well, we may live down here another 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. So in the meantime, what's going to control us? We all have an old sinful nature. And there might be times in your life when you might just want to take somebody and just choke them by the neck until they're dead. You say, I'd never do that. You probably thought about it. You just won't admit it. And in that case, that makes you a liar. So God says that we're all liars and we're all thieves. And we all say things we shouldn't say and we think things we shouldn't think. Welcome to the club of humanity. And yet so many people go, nobody knows how I feel. <laughs> Seven billion people on this earth and nobody knows how I feel. And everybody goes through pretty much the same thing just at different times in our life. And everybody's got pretty much the same kind of problems. One is trying to stay alive, trying to have good health, and uh, trying to pay your bills, having a place to live, clothes on your back, food in your tummy, kids, grandkids, and uh, you don't mind your kids leaving. You just want them, when they do leave, they get married, they stay there. <laughs> Most times they come back, hello, Ma. We're going to go on a vacation. You watch the kids, okay? Mm-hmm. Look down at the last thing here. See there in verse 14? But if, if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, or that bitterness and strife, look up here. Which one does that come from? This one or this one? This is the flesh, this is the spirit. If you have this in your heart, the flesh. So if you have that, it says glory not. You can't glory about that. You're walking in the flesh. You're letting the old sinful nature control your life. And that's why you say all those mean, nasty, ugly things. That's why you let your mind run wild. The Bible talks about because of our sinful nature, we imagine the worst. The phone rings. <gasps> oh, I bet it's the IRS. It's a bill collector. You know, it's, it's always bad news. It's, it's bad news. You know, it might be different. It might be, hey, uh, you just won the lottery. <laughs> no. In verse 15, this wisdom descendeth not from above. That's of the old sinful nature. That's why he says it's earthly, sensual, devil. That's from the flesh. Then he talks about the wisdom that's from above. That's, that's for the new birth. And so look what he says here in chapter 1. Look in chapter 1. Look in verse 17. James chapter 1, verse 17. 
where it says every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. Get this. Cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. So of His own will begat He us with the word of truth. We were born again by the word of truth. So what do you think God wants His children to learn to grow on? The word of truth. God wants us to think the way He thinks. And He says if you don't, you're going to be a double-minded man. And that man, God says, don't think he's going to receive anything of the Lord. Look what else He says here as we close in chapter 4. Look in chapter 4 and verse 1. This is talking to the Christians. This is not talking about the lost people. This is talking to Christians. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your get this, lust, that war in your members. It's in your body. You have a sinful nature. And these things are going to cause you have problems unless you can bridle it. You've got to control it. So then he makes a statement in verse 2. Ye lust. Okay, where does lust come from? Is that talking about the spirit or is that talking about the flesh? The flesh. Because you've got two natures, two births. God does not want my one mouth, my one tongue to bless God, curse man. Say wonderful thing. Oh, how I love the Lord. That's just people I can't stand. Wait a minute. God says, how can you say you love me and you can't see me? And you got all these people here. You don't, you don't love them that you can see. And so he makes this statement. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain, you fight and you war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. And you say, well, I asked. Yeah, but remember, he says, let not that man think he shall receive anything if he's asking in the flesh, if he's a double-minded man. In other words, what does God want you to do? Okay, you're his child. Make up your mind. Are you going to serve the Lord or not? Are you going to trust the Lord or not? Are you going to walk with God or not? And every man who will make up his mind says, Lord, I'm not fighting against you anymore. I'm just going to do whatever you want me to do with my life. I'm yours. And stop arguing and fighting with God and just do what's right because it's right to do. Seek just to please the Lord and be single-minded. Single-minded. Set your affections on things that are above and do what God wants you to do. The wisdom that comes down from God, He put it in a book. He says, now this is my love letter to my children. And I want you to read my love letter. And I want you to learn how to love like I love. I want you to forgive like I forgive. I want you to have patience like I got patience. All the things that God has, He wants us to be like that. He says in verse 1 of chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians, it says, be ye imitators of God. Can you handle that? You can do that. Only thing that keeps us w- with our sanity. Otherwise, you come, you lose your mind. And that's why so many people have lost their mind. And they're not disciplined. And they, they, they worry so much. And that's why he says, casting all your cares upon him because you know he cares for you. But when you don't know that, You try to carry them yourself. And the more you try to carry, the more it's going to bog you down because you can't carry the weight. And see, God said He just wants to give you the strength and the grace. He doesn't want to remove all of our problems. Our problems are just opportunities for us to prove our faithfulness to Him. 
Look up here. This is you and me. And this is while it represents sin. We all have sin upon us. Now God says that He loves us. Now He hates our sin, but He loves us. And He says that we've all sinned. So we're all condemned to a place in hell. But God wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect. No sin. But because of sin, we can't get in. So God says you cannot save yourself. You need a Savior. And that's why He says your good works won't take away your sin. Just because you go to church, doesn't go, you, that doesn't help you get to heaven. And just because you pay all your bills and you love one another and you do all the right things, that's not going to get your little pinkies one inch closer to the pearly gates. You don't get in unless you go through Christ. There is no other way. No man cometh unto the Father except through Christ. Now this hand represents Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh. Came into the world, He didn't have any sin, so He didn't have to die. But because He loves us, He hates our sin, because our sin separates us from the Lord. So He took all the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said that if you and I, if we would believe He did it for us, He would put that payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus did. Christ died to pay for my sins. And if I believe it, that payment He made is put to my account as though I had died and paid for all of my sins. And you only have to die once. So in God's eyes, I paid for all of my sins. I really didn't do it. My substitutionary person did it for me. He paid for my sin in my place. So as far as God is concerned, all my sins are paid. And so because I died in Christ, the law can never condemn me again. The law can't condemn a dead man. I'm a dead man. When I trusted Christ as my Savior 53 years ago, I became a child of God. And that's why I know I have eternal life and I know that I'm going to heaven when I die because of the payment Christ made on the cross for me. Let's bow our heads, shall we? With head bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you right now, just in the quietness of this moment, just talk to the Lord. Say something simple like this, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I know, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that when Christ died, He paid for my sins, and right now I will trust Him as my Savior. And friend, if you're making that decision, would you trust Him right now? Would you do it? God said if you'll trust Him, He'll save you and give you eternal life. If you're watching by internet, even right there on the screen, you can just click on and say, yes, I will trust Christ right now as my Savior. We'd love to know that. So in the quietness of this moment, is there anyone else say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior and preach, I'd like you to pray for me. Would you slip in it very quickly? Put it right back down, anyone at all. Our Father, we thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for giving us the free gift of eternal life. We pray that you'd help us to realize the importance of not being double-minded. That would be single-minded. Make up our mind as your children to serve you with all our heart. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.